Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, June 20th. We say that because we have people dialing in from after the fact, after and listening to this podcast afterwards. So appreciate you taking the time to join us today and just get into this podcast. It's the hot summer days. The summer is upon us. Hope you all had a great Father's Day. I did. Had a wonderful time with the family. Uh, you know, every Father's Day is good. And uh but this one was, I don't know why, it was just really extra special for me. So, But anyway, very excited to have you with us. Happy Father's Day to all the Father's Days. One of the, and we got a lot of feedback on last week's podcast. In preparation of the podcast, we had, or in preparation, excuse me, of Father's Day, we had uh, Mitch Kiter and his three sons on. And what, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of feedback to different podcasts at different times, but this one, that one was, I, I wasn't prepared for it. It was, a, it was overwhelming. A lot of people were touched. A lot of people were excited, challenged. The one word is, I am challenged as a result of that, of what Mitch's commitment to his kids are. And uh, Mitch called me afterwards, and he said how much he and his, his sons enjoyed being on the podcast and wanted to thank all our listeners for tuning in and he's already heard from some people and it's it's good so uh but one of the things he said is he Dave, you know what i really appreciate it is when you mentioned the three priorities and he says when you put faith first that just made us all smile because um they're of the jewish faith they're very committed to it and um it was just really good. He said, those are the values we just don't hear talked about. And we, you know, everyone's trying to be so politically correct that we don't ever want to rock a boat or don't want to say anything that's not, that's going to offend anybody. And I think one of the reasons Donald Trump is doing as well as he is, whether you like him or not, is because he could give a flip about political correctness. And um, I think we're at a place where we need to just get back and start being genuine and transparent. And that's a great segue into who we have as a guest today. Dale Vermillion is a good friend, someone I've known for 20 more years. And he was actually someone that came into our last company and did some had some phenomenal impact on our sales efforts there. And so Dale and I have been friends, cross-referral partners for a long time, um, just getting really back in and a stronger connection with Dale. I'm very excited about having him here on the podcast with us in the Hot Topic segment. We'll be talking about what you can do to develop. There are the keys to developing leaders and top sales performers inside of your organization. Really excited to have Dale and uh, join in on this. Again, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals for Mortgage Professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Award. Thank you very much, Tony Garitano. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. And again, we've already talked about what's on the Hot Topics segment, so let's run into our sponsors. We want to say ArchMI, the creator of the innovative in Rate Star program. We're going to hear from Jim Jump a little bit later on. And then also, I will be in the ArchMI booth at the Western Secondary Conference doing this Monday podcast from their booth. Very excited about that. Also, we have uh, Jim Jump, who's going to be the guest on next week's podcast, talking about a lot of things that are going on, the innovations that are happening especially in the mortgage in the mortgage industry, excuse me, mortgage insurance space. Very excited to have him on. Also, Motivity Solutions, the leading, the creator of their their dashboards, one of the industry's leading business intelligence technologies, and it provides real time information on what's going on inside your organization. So valuable. I do not know how people manage their business without this tool. So we're going to have the KPI of the week, the key performance indicator of the week, a little bit later in the podcast. Then also we have a motivity, excuse me, a Velma, which stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant, and uh, we have uh, we use this program in getting the word out to thousands of people. They do a great job of talking and give, getting your message out, bringing it out in such a way that it really helps you. Um, you know, communicate what you're about. And I think that's what it is. And, and then the best part of what I like about the relationship with Velma, specifically with Brent Emler, is he really helps and he cares about that message and he gets to know you. And so 
you need to get a hold of Brent Emler if you're looking for a good email marketing program to get the word out. There's no one. There's people that'll do it just because it's you know they're under a contract to do it, and then there's people like Brent Emler who will do it because they care about your business and they want to get to know you. So check out Velma V E L M A dot com and call Brent at five. Excuse me, here you go two zero eight eight five four seven nine zero nine. Simplifile is another sponsor. Very pleased to have them. They are working. Uh, they're one of the leading companies, if not the leading company, on collaboratively working with your settlement agents in a real-time chatting format. In other words, you and we all text today. We all are communicating uh, electronically, and we want instant gratification, instant response, and there's, that's what Simplify has developed. They have the ability for you to communicate in a real-time way, status updates, dealing with issues that arise. I, again, back and forth electronic communication with the settlement agents. I encourage you to set up a trial of their communications of all their other products that they have by going to Simplifile, S-I-M-P-I-L-E, excuse me, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-I-L-E.com or call them at 1-800-460-5657. Great products and some good people there. Nancy Alley, and I'm looking forward to getting her back on the podcast here soon talk about some of the developments of what's going on over there. Finally, D&H, they are doing a great job of getting the word out about a program. I'm doing another radio podcast from one of their booths at the upcoming uh, credit union mortgage lending conference, so it be very good. They have over 8,000 clients in 70 countries. They have 5,500 people employed. It's one of the bigger technology companies, fintech companies out there. And I want you to go to their website, mortgagebot.com. And also, you can go to or dial 1-800-815-5592 and get in. And we have a lot of clients that are looking for technology. And when those that are looking for a LOS solution, they're getting hold of MortgageBot. And I'm getting feedback that they're really pleased that, that I referred them that direction. Also, the Mortgage Collaborative, uh, founded by the past five past presidents of the NBA, it is the network. And that's really what it's about, networking. And it's something you have to get invited into. You have to apply to join this group. But MortgageCollaborative.com is where you need to go to check it out or get a hold of Rich Zerbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network, the Mortgage Collaborative. Joe and I are a part of it, and I tell you, it works. It really does work. Well, not much in the way of upcoming conferences. I've already talked that I'll be doing the radio program at the CMBA. So we're going to go by the conference site and get right into what's going on in the markets with Joe Farr. Joe, hey, sorry for throwing you a curveball last week. Uh, yeah. It was one of those things where it was just unusual. We got things out of order, but we're back in order, and it uh, looks like the markets are in order, so give us an update here. Well, they're down. Uh, MBS prices are down 530 seconds. They've been down all, all morning. Um, this is a reaction to the latest poll in, in the United Kingdom on uh, leaving or staying in the EU, and the latest poll shows uh, the likelihood or, or shows more uh, uh, saying that they'll vote to stay. 45% saying they'll vote to stay, 42% saying they'll vote to leave. That's still very, very close, obviously, but uh, those numbers were about flip-flopped uh, sometime during last week, which had an influence on, on what happened last week. But uh, that there's, uh, I guess, a bit of a flight to safety reversal going on because of that poll the Dow's up a couple hundred points, and MBS prices are down. So, uh, no economic data uh, released today. So it's uh, it's all reaction to uh, Brexit or not. Brexit or not? Yeah, interesting. So well, we last, last week, week yeah, yeah I mean it was week. it was about Brexit too, but um, also about the Fed. You know, that little thing that goes on every six weeks. So the Fed meeting uh, uh, was concluded on Wednesday. The statement was released and a and, uh, press conference to follow. There's really very little change in policy, uh, meaning that it's still data-dependent, et cetera, but the expectations for the future rate hikes were pushed much further back. You, uh, the, the dot plot, as they refer to it, is each member uh, identifying when uh, he or she would think uh, hikes in the Fed funds rate would be uh, necessary and and you know it really was a shift further out for everybody, just about everybody that that issued those uh, projections. Uh, the last meeting, there was only one member who thought that only one rate hike in 2016 was uh, likely. This meeting, there were six, so it just shows a 
very, very significant move toward a slower increase in the Fed funds rate. And, you know, some of that's due to the jobs report that came out uh, uh, early in the month, and some of it's due to, uh, well, the Brexit's the reason they didn't do anything this time, but uh, uh, it's just a sense of a slower increase in the Fed funds rate, which is a reaction to slowing uh, economic activity or, or certainly not increasing economic activity and, and very tame inflation. So uh, that was the Fed, and uh, and then the Brexit, as I mentioned, the, the polls last week were increasingly showing a, a more likelihood to vote to exit the EU, and that caused... Uh, stocks to sell off and and uh, and a shift to safer assets like mortgage-backed securities and as a result MBS prices improved last week and, and really got to about the best level of the year you know going back uh, more than just 2016 going back into 2015 so uh, you know the the concerns about what might happen if they vote to leave are are significant, and the uh, the advanced movement prices was to shift to, to safer assets. And again, like I mentioned, some of that's being reversed today. Um, the economic data there was a lot of economic data that came out last week, and and it really had very little impact on things. It was taking the back seat. Uh, we had a very good retail sales number. It wasn't as good as last month, but for the last three months, we've had nice increasing retail sales. We had good uh, regional manufacturing data. Uh, the inflation reports showed you know, pretty much what people expected. Uh, both CPI and PPI came in close to expectations. Uh, we did see an increase in housing starts and home builder confidence. So, uh, you know, not bad data, not not terribly strong data, but uh, it, it all really kind of took a backseat to the Fed and to the, the uh, situation in, in the United Kingdom. Uh, this week is going to be more of the more of the Brexit. Obviously, uh, yep. we do have some economic data, but it's it, like last week's probably going to take a back seat. Existing home sales comes out on Wednesday, new home sales comes out on Thursday, durable orders on Friday. Janet Yellen will be making her Humphrey Hawkins testimony before Congress uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, she could say something there that could move the market, but again, the the referendum that we've all been, you know, the polls have been uh, uh, taking um, have been taken about is to happen on Thursday. I, I'm not sure quite what time of the day we'll know what happened. Uh, they are six hours ahead of us, and uh, if they close, it's just I, I just don't know how quickly they'll get the the, the results out, but. Uh, uh, it will be interesting and likely volatile as we head into that vote, and then as we determine what the what the outcome is. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I'm as interested in Janet Yellen's. I mean, obviously, we are interested in what's going to happen with the Brits. I mean, and with being that close, it's going to be a nail biter right up to the end. But I think it's really interesting to see what Janet Yellen. Her talking. These are written, prepared comments. It'll be how different will it be for the press conference that took last. Happened last week, um, but they've had time to digest these, uh, the latest labor reports. So, uh, you know, the Jolts report specifically is one of the things I'm thinking about, and so mm-hmm. and we'll be paying close attention. So, you know, how she will occasionally phrase something just slightly different, um, that that could have a big market mover. And, and people who do not have your service, Joe, they're just sitting out there wondering, okay, why, why did markets move? And they're tapping their fingers and trying to scratch their heads but i mean if they have your service they know instantly so it'll be uh always put in plugs tell everybody check no, out go Ford. ahead it's affordable <laughs> and it's effective and it gets the job done thanks joe appreciate you bringing out you're welcome looking at that we'll get your up uh update right towards the end of the podcast because it looks like it's starting to get moved upward moving a little bit here uh as you look at your at the ticker on your on your screen. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to be back with Paul Malo. Interesting updates on his website. I was reading it, so I'm very excited to have Paul on and joining us here shortly. We'll be right back after this brief break. 
Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteland delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect and know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. So good to have you back with us. Again, this is the June 20th podcast. Good to have you with us. And we have Paul Model that's joining in. I'm also logged into his website, and I am really looking forward to hearing his report today. Paul, good to have you back with us. And I uh, hope you had a great Father's Day, friend. I did. I hope you did too, David. We what's did. going on? I don't know what's going on. You know, it's a little slow this week. But then again, it's only, uh, whatever, 1 p.m. East Coast time on a Monday. Um, you know, no exciting, shocking news over the weekend. Maybe that's not so bad. Uh, we crunched the uh, interest-only lending numbers for the first quarter. Uh, interesting. 27% jump in uh, interest-only loans in 1Q. Uh, I should point out that interest-only lending is basically jumbo lending <laughs> in the banks here. Boy, the banks are really you know, going after this business big time, uh, yeah. and they're putting a lot of it in portfolio. And, uh, you know, that continues to be a story. It's almost like they're, you know, they're obviously ignoring the FHA business, which we all know about. It seems like they're, you know, they don't seem that enamored <laughs> with the Fannie-Freddie business as much as they used to be. And boy, they're going hog wild in uh, jumbo IOs and putting them in portfolio, and um, you know, big increase there for uh, for that segment of the industry. So we'll continue to watch that. Um, what else we got going out there? More servicing portfolios are hitting the market. Uh, MIAC, MIAC, Mountain View has a few out. I know uh, Phoenix has got deals, and IMA too. Uh, Presswick, I know, is working on some stuff. Uh, you know. This low interest rate environment hasn't helped the servicing market, but you know, from what I'm told, and we're doing an update this week, as long as long as the seller has got realistic expectations, they can get deals done. But they have to be realistic. Uh, you know, you guys talked about uh, before I came on about rates and the bond market and, and what's going to happen with Brexit. Uh, right. That is, you know, that's driving the interest rate environment, obviously, uh, and that's going to be continue to be a big story. So, you know, rates stabilize a little bit. Maybe we'll see more deals. Um, so that's that continues to be the story there. Uh, bank incentives uh, to hold mortgages, again, in portfolio aren't going away anytime soon. Uh, that was tied in with the uh, recent J.P. Morgan Chase MBS, which had some jumbos in there as well, some agency product. It uh, doesn't look like too many banks are going to emulate that security. And, again, a lot of those loans are probably going to be going into portfolio of the IOs, at least, and the jumbos uh, stay there for a while. Uh, we also crunched the USDA securitization rates. Uh, they fell 3.8% uh, in the first quarter compared to the prior quarter. Uh, we should note there that the largest player in that market has been Chase, Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase. And we should also point out, as we do in that story, uh, that Chase sold that business, that USDA correspondent business, to Freedom Mortgage uh, back in the spring, uh, and we'll continue to, to watch that uh, develop. Uh, USDA obviously is, uh, you know, those loans wind up in Ginny May Securities. Uh, and lastly, again, more rates. Uh, will the Fed ever raise rates again this year? Um, yeah. You know, that's, you know, who knows anymore? Uh, yeah. You know, you look at the geopolitical I'm, I'm, events out there. I know you and yeah. Joe have got opinions on this. I think you said recently in, in one of your recent uh, podcasts that, you know, you don't think rates are going to be hiked this year by the Fed. I don't know if you still at feel all. that I way. Agree. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. I do. You, you know, you look at all the now, turmoil. More so than ever. Yeah. yeah. All the turmoil in the world, um, you know, flight to quality, and, and they buy U.S. bonds and MBS, and that's just going to drive rates down, so. Uh, short takes, uh, you know, there's a lot more going on uh, to the lead story there about mortgage stocks, uh, which I couldn't get into because I'm still, there's something big brewing out there having to do with mortgage stocks and, 
and some of the companies involved in that business. And, and all I can say, we'll have a bigger story maybe later in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mortgage, yeah, mortgage companies are doing fairly that. well, but boy, you look at the you look at the stock prices of some of these mortgage companies like Aquin and, and Walter and Stonegate. Uh, right. And boy, it's just ugly. And uh, you know, Nation Star looks like they're they're holding up fairly well compared to their peer group. And people think you know they have a future, uh, Nation Star that is, and they just you know keep scratching their heads looking at Aquin uh, and Stonegate. And you know, who knows? It's you know, um, if a mortgage company wants to go public now, forget it. It's just it's not happening. Uh, no. And uh, you know, who knows? But uh, but meanwhile, you know, the, the private companies are doing fairly well, and and, and the banks are doing all right, and uh, that's just sort of the state of the union, I guess. Yeah, and, and you also have up on the short up on the short takes is the countrywide uh, the lawsuit. The uh, DOJ abandoned that. I thought that was really interesting. I was looking at that over the weekend. Yeah, I don't, you know, that stuff. You know, it's it's the Mozilla story is, is so much history. I don't even know if I pay, you know, I don't pay that close attention to it as I used to. Uh, listen, he settled out of court with the SEC, you know, and, right. I, and I covered that, the Countrywide story, wrote a book called Chain of Blame about the crisis that came out. Actually, it's going on eight years ago this summer, 2008, Chain of Blame came out. Mozilla was a, a front and center figure in that book. And I knew Angelo, and he was a source on the record and off the record, Uh you know, I continue to believe that uh, he didn't do anything criminally wrong. Uh, civil negligence is a different matter. And like I said, he already settled with the SEC. And, uh, you know, you've heard it. Everyone's heard it about, well, why more people didn't go to jail because of this crisis? And, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between civil liability and criminal liability and, and proving the criminal side of this crisis, uh, at least in the, you know, the boardrooms in Wall Street is – next to impossible uh listen a lot of flippers went to prison for you know flipping homes with crappy uh collateral and appraisals and uh there's a lot of that going on but they were they were like you know the street guys uh you know the low level yep. street guys yeah. went to prison but I mean, no one in the boardrooms did and because you can argue they didn't do anything wrong on a criminal basis but you know civil negligence is a whole different ball game and try and explain that to Joe Sixpack and some of these other people out there it, it, it's hard and it's in, uh, in the so, jury box exactly right yeah, uh, yeah, so it, it just it, um, yeah. It was an interesting article. I do have something that I heard about over the weekend, and I've been hearing a bit about MI the MIP dropping again. What are you tracking? Yeah. Are you hearing anything on that? Sure. I heard that it, it. I heard that in fact one of my competitors out there, someone you know very well, was saying that it is going to happen on Tuesday this week, and then I uh, don't want to mention him, and that has been, sure. I believe, fairly well. Discredited. What are you hearing about yeah. the MIP and a drop in MIP? Uh, nothing imminent, and uh, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Uh, you have an election year. Uh, you know, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard anything imminent. And if something was imminent, I would usually get wind of it. You but you know, it. I'm not, I'm not perfect, yeah. <laughs> so it's possible it could happen. But it, it's curious. Uh, keep in mind, the audit comes out every fall. And for them to to reduce the MIP before an election year, without that audit out, that independent audit of of the uh, MMIF, the uh, you know, the right. mutual um, mortgage insurance fund, would be curious. And um, but you know what? I'll, I'm going to check around just just to make sure. Uh, I haven't heard it, but it doesn't mean you know I don't get everything. So it it could happen, uh, but. You know, and, and just think of what that could do to the MI business, by the way. Um, oh, exactly. Right. So, but anyway, that's a different, yeah. different topic. But well, that, that I wanted, I wanted to get you out there. You're teasing us with a big M&A story or a big uh, public, you know, a company. What's going on in the IPA or a big, whatever happening out there in the space of the publicly traded <laughs> companies? You're teasing with us or that. So I'm going to tease you to go out there and do some research because a quote-unquote credible source. I mean, someone. That is, um, I won't even say where they're located because they give it away. I just want—I sure. don't want to have it said. But anyway, there's someone that um, uh, is close to the sources and said that was going to happen on Tuesday this week. And I just going—I just don't buy that. And so I made some phone calls, and we've had Ed Golding on here. Could not get a hold of Ed, and he wouldn't comment mm-hmm. anyway if the, if something was coming out. But um, but my well, I should point out in the past when Golding gets on Capitol Hill, uh, sometimes in the in the HUD secretary. 
you know, and they will say, "Oh, we we're not in favor of it at this time." That had that's happened before. Yeah. Uh, if they get in front of some uh, elected officials and politicians, uh, so they you know if they get put on the hot seat, they will answer the question, but they usually have to be before a congressional committee. Right. Correct. Yeah. Oh. Well, Ed was a great guest. I was glad to have him on here. And so uh, let me know what you find out, Paul. We'll sure. definitely get the word out. But I just I tell everybody, sign up for the IMF News uh, website. You can get it landing in your inbox every single day. It's excellent, and you're on top of what's going on. Uh, it's I don't think you know, there's just some really, really good news items here. And you, you're you on top of it, bud. So my compliments to you and the job you're doing. Appreciate you taking time to be here with us. Good to have you. Friend. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to having you back next week. All right, everybody. Alice Alvey is normally is who we would be going to right now. Alice is in a meeting, and it's a she has a big sales presentation. She's all excited about it, and uh, she was going to try to dial in, and I could tell she was so. When you're doing these big sales presentations, they're, they're they can be all consuming. So she needs to focus on that. We told gave her a, a pass uh, to and not she will not be joining with us there's nothing really significant to report anyway in that area but um just al says hello to everybody uh, we're going to be right back after this brief word with sam garcia and get an update on what he's got going on over in his website all right be right back if you have questions about mortgage regulations indicom mortgage you has free answers if you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. So good to have you here with us, everybody. I'm just looking at some feedback that's already rolling in as to anticipation with Dale Vermillion. He's got some fans out there that are listening in and already got one on my Facebook response. It's really fun to see that. So anyway, we've got Sam Garcia with us. Sam, good to have you dialed in from, I assume, Hot Dallas. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that movie, Good Morning Vietnam, where they said the weather is hot, the projection is for it to be hot, and continued hot. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's hot. Exactly right. It's <laughs> hot. It but it's good pool weather, and I hope you had a great Father's Day, friend. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. You too. Well, let's, um, let's go through your head, the headlines, some of the stuff you've got, and you're tracking, and the news stories you have, my friend. Good website for those that do not know what we're talking about. Sam Garcia has a website called Mortgage Daily. He does a great job of staying up on on what's going on. He's looking up and down all the headlines and captures some things that I just really pay attention to. So MortgageDaily.com, check it out. And so, Sam, what you got? Yeah, and, you know, we're we're pretty data-heavy. We, we cover a lot of the data that's reported by various entities and the government out there. So last week was kind of a heavy uh, data week for us, even though it was yeah. light on the news in some respects. But um, first off, our mortgage market index slipped 2% last week, and you know, that index, which is a reflection of uh, open-close rate locks, uh, showed that refinances were up even though purchases fell. So uh, the decline in purchases, just a little bit more than what happened with refinances as rates are falling. Um, you know, we collect data uh, on originations at banks, credit unions, and non-bank originators. And our uh, analysis most recently of the first quarter originations indicate that total volume was $354 billion in the first quarter. Um, that was down from, as everybody probably knows, uh, the fourth quarter when there was uh, estimated $375 billion, and a year earlier also when there was $395 billion. But our analysis indicates that uh, the bank mortgage market share in the most recent two quarters rose. Uh, it was 43% in the first quarter versus 42% in the last three months of last year. And at the same time, credit unions lost a little bit. Uh, they slipped in market share for the mortgage originations to 9% from 10% in the fourth quarter. And there's no change for the non-bank originators, um, which were at 48%. And we get that data, by the way, from the FDIC, um, Callahan and Associates, and the Conference of State uh, Mortgage or State Bank Supervisors. So, kind of just take all that and put it together. 
Fannie Mae uh, put out its outlook today uh, for its latest economic outlook, um, and their economist uh, issued uh, the report that indicates that this year's refinances are expected to reach about $659 billion. And uh, as you might expect, that was bigger or more than they expected last month when they predicted $645 billion. So, um, you know, uh, refinance is looking a little more stronger uh, as rates have been dropping, though, of course, with today's activities, who knows if uh, rates will continue. Up. But, uh, exactly. Ellie May put out its uh, origination insight report, and that indicated that the, uh, the closing rate in May was 70.6%. That was an improvement from uh, April when it was reported at 68.9%. And it was even uh, a bigger improvement compared to a year earlier when it was just 64%. Downside is that a uh, turnaround slowed to 45 days uh, from 44 days in April. But uh, that usually tends to happen when volume picks up a little bit. You see a little bit longer turnaround. Um, The Conference of State Bank Supervisors released some data indicating that there were more than 527,000 mortgage loan originators registered in the NMLS uh, as of the first quarter of this year. And that's, that's a, a, big in, a big increase over the first quarter of last year uh, when there were uh, just over 512,000 originators. So there's growth in the industry, at least when it comes to originators. Um, the FHFA put out its uh, monthly report about GSC refinances, which totaled 168,000 in April, um, up uh, from just over uh, 167,000 in the prior month. And like I just you know said a little bit ago, that of course rates are playing into the refinance volume. Fannie though was responsible for that gain, whereas uh, refinances at Freddie were uh, slightly off. Um, Radian put out a bulletin today indicating that minimum credit scores on investment properties have been lowered. Um, it also raised the LTVs on construction loans and is now allowing second homes and attached condominiums for their super jumbo lending. So a little bit of loosening there at Radian. A uh, couple of uh, uh, mortgage service providers are being acquired. Uh, that was last week that the parent of the NYSE said it's going to acquire our uh, MERS, and at the you know within a, a day or two of that, the uh, Optimal Blue uh, came out that uh, they're being acquired or have been acquired by yeah. GTCR, okay. and uh, and the former uh, CEO and founder of uh, MortgageBot. Scott Happ is going to be the new CEO of the venture. And that announcement indicated that GTCR is committing up to $350 million of equity capital to the investment to pursue growth initiatives at Optimal Blue, and as well as complementary acquisitions. So it's a significant uh, move that we see there. Uh, one other report I wanted to mention uh, was that serious delinquency, that's, that's the 90-day delinquency rate, uh, was 3.0% in April, according to CoreLogic, uh, and that turned out to be the lowest rate of serious delinquency since October 2007. So I'm always happy to hear when we hear loan performance is continuing to approve. So. But uh, those are the big headlines we had for the last week. Good to have you with us, Sam. Do a great job, uh, as always. Again, I stress the data that you collect. Not only great headlines, and uh, it's a good complement to what Paul has over there at IMF News, but MortgageDaily.com really has some solid data, and that's one of the reasons I'm a big believer in what you're doing. I like that. Data, data, data. How can we live without it? Appreciate you joining us, friend. Appreciate it very much. Have a always a pleasure. Hot days of summer and hot dog days. Yes, of yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Maybe it'll get a little bit cooler, but uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. All right, friend, have a good day. Look forward to having you back here next week. All right, Thanks, let's man. do this. We're, we're going to get over to Sam. Excuse me. We're going to get over to Jim Jump, who is, of course, with uh, ArchMI. Jim is the marketing director. He's going to be the guest on the radio program next week. But uh, let's get this message regarding the Rate Star program, Jim. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on, and we're happy to be a proud sponsor of the program. And today I'd like again to talk about RateStar from Arch Mortgage Insurance. RateStar is a revolutionary tool that allows mortgage originators to dynamically price mortgage insurance and match coverage to ArchMI's most competitive rates. And that's important because it allows you to compete more effectively, qualify more borrowers, and of course close more loans. That's the power of RateStar. Originators from around the country are letting us know just how quick and easy RateStar is to use. And all you need is your NMLS number, and you can access RateStar anywhere, anytime, using multiple points of entry, including most LOS systems, product 
product and pricing engines, and through our websites at archmi.com and archmicu.com for credit unions. And of course, it's available through our mobile app for smartphones and tablets. RateStar makes it easy to choose what type of mortgage insurance coverage your loan needs. You just touch, tap, and go. Quotes are delivered in seconds and represent our most competitive RHMI rates based on the strength and quality of the loan application. And I have to tell you, David, getting a mortgage insurance quote has never been so powerful or so simple. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you and say thanks. Have a great day, everybody. Look forward to having Jim on next week on the podcast. Andy Shell, the Profit Doctor, is on traveling today. We'll miss having him on, but I do want to get the motivities of KPI of the Week in. Again, here's John Maynell, VP of Client Services. And, uh, John, always love to get what KPI you have going. Uh, we've had a request for you to cover, again, the app to funding cycle time. Several people are interested in that. So here's John Maynell. Hello, thanks very much, David. Always good to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is application to funded cycle time. Uh, since the arrival of TRID, cycle time measurements have obviously come to the forefront, everything from looking at the entire application to funded cycle uh, down to sub-cycles or cycle time between milestones. Everyone wants to compress cycle time, and the beauty of this type of strategic KPI is that it can be tied to operational KPIs that track the tasks or processes within the cycle that contribute to how long or short that cycle is. So operational KPIs can be thought of as the cause, and strategic KPIs are the effect. Uh, and balancing and monitoring these key measurements really can drive performance, and this demonstrates again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, David, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again. I love that. What gets measured gets results because I was just speaking again up in Albany, New York at the uh, New York MBA and I had someone come up to me and they just were passing and they go, they pointed their finger at me and go, Dave, now remember, what gets measured gets results. <laughs> it was really funny that they, so you know that people are, that, that advertise here, they, the message gets out. Anyway, let's get on uh, to our special guest. Very excited about today's guest. Uh, you say, Dave, you're excited about everyone as you have as a guest. Yeah, that's true. Dale is a longstanding friend and someone that I have known for 20-some years. Uh, I first met him when he came in and did what he does for now over 400 lenders and has trained over 1 million mortgage professionals. He did that for us 20 years ago, and we saw immediate lift in what as a result of what was going on as a result of his program. And I'm sitting on the Facebook page and Dusty Lashbrook, who's also a mutual friend of ours, he says, we used Dale extensively in the past at ABN Embro, and uh, we could see an immediate incremental conversion increases after a single day of sessions. That's a pretty strong endorsement from uh, someone who I know is a credible source. But anyway, it's uh, good to have Dale here with us. I also want to say that his approach, he has a mortgage champions, his Others First training system. And that's one of the things I want to drill into today. It's an angle that you don't always hear preached, uh, what's going on. He's also been on Fox News. He's got a book out there, Navigating the Mortgage Maze. It's really good for consumers. Um, but one of the things that I'm most excited about Dale does, and you recognize about true leaders, is they give back to the industry. He has a nonprofit charity that's called Mortgage Professionals Providing Hope. And it is probably one of the most exciting things I've done for many reasons. And, you know, uh, some people, we get so caught up on our success, but what are we doing to give back? Dale has got that in his life. He's been married for 24 years, has four grown children, and we're honored to have Dale Vermillion on the podcast. Dale, good to have you here, my friend. David, it is an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much, my friend. Great to be with you, and, and great to hear Dusty's name. Uh, Dusty's a longtime friend of both of us, so that's awesome. Yes, he is. Yeah, it was fun to see when I posted that up on Facebook, and it's immediately popped, popped back with that. So, Dusty, thanks for the shout-out on the Facebook on that. You know, let's start one thing. That we, we, we know who you are, but I want to get to the mortgage professionals providing hope. Um, I, I, we just don't see enough people giving back. And I know a lot of people do it. They do it different ways. They do it quietly. But And people are looking for ways to give back. So if we could just start there, just briefly spend a few moments. When is Mortgage Professionals providing hope, and why did you start it? Well, we started it because um, I traveled 18 years ago to uh, central India to actually meet a little girl that we'd sponsored for four years named Tira Patama. She was an orphan uh, in an orphanage in central India. Um, what I ended up meeting was 4,000 orphans in uh, three different orphanages there. It, it literally uh, changed my life wow. in powerful ways. 
Um, we have since, um, uh, you know, for many years as I was traveling the country speaking, I would talk about my um, experiences in India and how we were, you know, looking to help people. And people just kept coming up and going, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to come alongside and help you. Um, so we have, over the course of those years, we decided to start Mortgage Professionals Providing Hope as a not-for-profit. You can check it out at mpph.org. And it's designed to help um, both international and national interests. So we help families here at home who are struggling with all kinds of challenges. Um, we help families, we help homeless, we help all kinds of people in the U.S., and we also work with uh, the orphanages in India. We work with orphanages in Guatemala. We work with kids in Romania. We work with kids all over the world uh, to provide resources to make a difference because it is important, and, and it's one of the ways that I talk to my clients all the time that you can stand out. Is you can partner with us and stand out as a lender who gives back, and people love that, and that does define your organization to a certain amount. So it, we just do it for the good of kids and for the good of families and for the good of mankind because that's what we're called to do. I believe he's right. So the website, again, for people that want to learn more is mpph.org. Is that correct? That is correct. Good, good, good. Well, folks, go check that out. Let's get into some of the things that I'm excited to be talking about, uh, leadership and uh, developing top sales performers, and you have been doing this for a while. And I think for those that do not know who you are, let's give a little bit of your background. You've been in the industry for 33 years, and you've been doing this for now over 20 years. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, about your background. Let our listeners get the money here briefly. Well, I started in the business in 1983 as a loan officer, David, and, and like you have a lot of background experience actually doing the business. I, I managed uh, three different branches, uh, got promoted quickly, then managed a district uh, with 10 branches in the Chicagoland area, then got promoted to a regional vice president running five districts and had uh, about 350 loan officers underneath me, and then finally ran a national mortgage company. I was uh, director of sales and operations for Sears Consumer Finance out of Chicago, Illinois, um, actually Riverwoods in the Chicagoland area, and had about 2,300 employees. So my background was the mortgage business from loan officer all the way to senior executive. And what I saw was a gaping hole in the industry for a need for very industry-specific, very practical, very uh, proven, and very strategic both sales and leadership techniques. And that was something I believed in very heavily and, and trained my people heavily all those years. And that's why we had such top performance. Um, so I started a company in, in 1995 called Vermillion Consulting, uh, predominantly to help consult to um, mortgage companies. Since then, I've, I've trained over a million people. I've spoken at over 2,500 different uh, conferences, events, and, and, and venues, um, and, and really work with uh, both salespeople and leaderships on what are those strategic and practical things that are proven. It's all best practices based, based on all the people I've been around, that will allow your company to get to that next level of performance. That's our focus, is getting you to that high-level productivity. Let's get to the two or three most important keys to success for mortgage lenders that let that you found to be proven to be true well there's there's four things that i think really matter dave that that are absolutely critical and that is first off philosophy then people then positioning and then process. When I work with leaders and I work with a lot of C-level executives around the country in, in helping to consult to their business before I ever walk in and train their salespeople or leaders, we talk a lot about those four things. It begins with having the right philosophy. You mentioned a moment ago the other's first selling system that we teach. Well, that, that actually is a cultural philosophy that we work with leaders on. It's putting your employees first if you're a leader. It's putting your customers first as a company. And it's all based off of of um, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, which is actually my life verse, which says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things with humility, value others above yourselves, looking out for their interests, not your own. I'm, I'm a firm believer, as I know you are, David. We've talked about yeah. this many times, that the key to success in business is you've got to focus on not your own success, but the success of everybody around you. That's what creates your success. So we walk in, and I work with companies culturally to change their culture to say, look, are we putting our customers first? Are we working in teams to build co where we're putting our colleagues first? Are we as leaders encouraging, managing, and motivating powerfully and positively to put our employees first? Because if everybody does that, the cycle is you're going to be successful. And then the question is, do you have the right people in the first place? Do you have yeah. the horses in your organization that can make that thing run? And then are you positioned around the market and how to succeed in the market? No question that those are three really important keys. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about how you and your company address and impact these areas, if we could. And then I want to toss the mic over to Joe. But go ahead. 
Well, I think the first thing is cultural shift. So, so when I come into an organization, the first thing we'll look at is what is the culture today uh, of your organization? Are you sales focused? Uh, are you customer centric? You know, one of the things I talk about all the time, David, that is key is if you're going to be a successful mortgage company, you've got to be sales centered. You can't be operation centered. You can't be marketing centered. You can't be product centered. Those are all critical. You've got to be sales centered because if your salespeople aren't selling properly, it doesn't matter how good your pricing or your products is, it doesn't matter how diverse your offerings are, and it doesn't matter how good your marketing is. So first building a sales-centered focus so that everybody basically works for the sales piece of that because when people sell, there's stuff to process, there's stuff to close, there's stuff to fund. So you got to build that first and then build that other's first mentality. So true. Joe? Yeah, Dale. Uh yeah, we've gone through a lot as an industry the last few years, and and I just wanted to get a sense before we get into uh, deeper into the selling aspects of things. What do you see as the current trends in today's market for the next twelve to eighteen months down the road? Well, there's two key things that I think are critical, and let's look at the refi side first and the purchase side second. On the refi side, we are simply running out of customers on the refi side. The Fed can't push the rates much lower. We have taken the 50 million-plus homeowners out there. We've penetrated the vast majority of those with the low rates we've had for the last seven and a half years. We're down to the bottom of the barrel on that, which means that in order to continue to build refinance opportunities, you can't just focus on rate and term. You've got to extend out in a cash-out and debt elimination focus. That's the key. So as rates start to change, we believe that after this election, we'll see that rate shift we've been waiting for for the last eight years. And when rates start to go up, the only possible way you build a powerful refinance organization is you've got to focus on cash-out. More importantly, you've got to leverage debt in refinances in order to build the kind of savings that bars are looking for to refinance. You also have to have a home equity um, piece in that is a, is a good, powerful piece of that to become both a loss leader and a product in and of itself. On the purchase side, it's having a prequal focus. It's not just sitting around waiting for those purchase applications, but it's really nipping them off at the beginning where you focus on prequals, you, you get your sales organization so that it's, it's really open to working with prequal borrowers because you control the entire process when you do that. The problem in today's trade world is it takes longer to close a loan. A lot of your purchase contracts you have contractual issues with, and you have a lot of problems. But if you control it from the start with a prequal, you view those as valuable leads, you can actually take control from the start, win the borrower over, and win a whole lot of business through the purchase side of the, uh, of the house. Well, uh, Dale, what are the challenges from a sales perspective? You know, uh, the, the primary issues that people are going to deal with in the in the sales area going forward well i think there's a couple of things that are that are really eminent right now in the mortgage industry and the first one is we have the most mature sales force if i, if I can use those terminologies <laughs> on the planet that we've ever had We're, we've got an average age somewhere between 54 and 56 years old from different studies that i've seen of the average loan officer today which means that we've got a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time who unfortunately have fallen into a very transactional order-taking mode because of the nature of interest rates for the last seven years. What you've got to do is you've got to shift that. You've got to move into a much more relational, uh, much more value-oriented, and much more differentiation-based approach. And some of that means upgrading and getting some new new blood into your organization to help bring some youth back in, to bring some vitality. And not to say that many of us who are mature, because we're all mature on this call, and we all got plenty of vitality and, and plenty of enthusiasm, but you need a sales force that's starting to think differently, that's bringing in new ideas, new thoughts, and new perspectives. And that means you've got to be able to train them effectively to get there. So I believe that's one of the key challenges. I think in addition to that is just understanding competition is going to continue to get tougher and tougher and tougher as pricing just continues to get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And you've got to be more effective at getting higher volume with your loan officers, and that means really making sure you're managing them more to high units than to just manage them to dollars. Because dollars, the problem when you manage that is you're building elephant hunters a lot of times. You want to build high unit people who get high production. Yeah, that's right. There's not a lot you can compete on with price or product anymore. It's got to be on uh, uh, on your skills and, and good customer service. So what are a few, give us a few solutions. So th there's a couple of things that I think that are critical today in the market that, that really make distinguished successful organizations. Number one is they're very diverse in their approach to the market, meaning that diverse products, um, d diverse 
pricing, um, diverse approach to the business from the standpoint of how they have the product set up. Second is making sure that you're very specialized. One of the keys to the market, I believe, is identifying specialization so that you've got people in the right track. So when you build your sales team, if you're going to have a refine a purchase team, I highly recommend have a dedicated refi team, have a dedicated purchase team. And if you've got inside salespeople, don't try to have them do outside sales efforts. They're not good at doing retail sales and calling on realtors. They're, they're good at dealing with consumers in a consumer-direct environment and vice versa. If you've got outside people that are good at working with your realtors, and your third-party originators, have them focus on that side. And do the same thing with your operations. Specialize your operations so you've got people in the right spot. The more you specialize your operations, the better you're going to be. And I think the last thing, and this is so critical, is manage leads, not people. <laughs> and let me explain that because that sounds kind of interesting, but here's the key. The mistake, the most common mistake I see in the mortgage business with lenders I work with is we just throw leads and throw leads and throw leads at our sales force and the problem is we don't really manage those leads effectively, make sure we're getting the most out of every one. If I'm going to give a lead to a loan officer, number one, they only got 24 hours with that lead. And if they don't convert it, I'm giving it to another loan officer. Number two, if even if they have success contacting that customer, if they don't sell it, I'm always getting a second call on that from another loan officer or a manager to take care of it. And I'm managing each lead to make sure we're maximizing conversion rates because that's where you get your best lift from, and that's where you get your most profit from. Interesting. Dave, back to you. Yeah. Yeah, I want to come back and talk about the operational challenges. I do a lot of consulting on the operational side of the business, and so I'm really interested in getting your perspective about those operational challenges. So, you know, I talked about specialization, David. I know that's something you and I have talked a lot about that, that we both agree is a powerful part of an operations. You know, let, let me give you a couple of simple common mistakes that I see when I walk in organizations. So I'll walk into a company and I'll, I'll ask them to, to pull the processing team in for a minute. I'll ask the processing manager the simple question, okay? You've got two basic types of processing positions in the mortgage industry. You've got the administrative roles, which are the ones that are more uh, pushing paper, handling administrative functions, VOEs, VOMs, that kind of thing. And then you've got your processors who are more customer relational. They're customer service roles where they're dealing with the customers in some way. In those scenarios, the question is simply this. Have you done the work to make sure that your employees have the right personalities to even be in those roles? I see many times That's where good. we have highly relational people working in administrative functions and highly administrative technical analytical people working in relation, customer relational functions. That doesn't work. So you have to identify the right personalities to the right job fit, and you've got to make sure you do that first. And then second – break up your operations into specialized pieces so that they're doing the same task as commonly as possible. It creates better efficiencies. It creates better specialization. It creates more of a professional approach to things because they become experts at what they do versus the old jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of mentality. Yeah, no question. Do you have one particular personality assessment tool that you recommend more or that you find yourself using? When, yeah, it's, it's, it's called get him. David Lickin in there and have him uh, teach you his tool. That, that's the one that I would recommend because that's the one that works because I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. I didn't anticipate that. I did not do that, audience, to get that. That was very nice. Very appreciated. Let's talk about competitive challenges. It is a competitive market, as you noted earlier. It's only getting more competitive. Yep. And this is the reason why. Look, here, here's what I believe will be the difference between the very best companies in 2016, 17, 18, and 19 and the also-rans. I don't believe it's going to be price and product because all, we all basically have the same price and product today. It's a commoditized market more so than it's ever been. So that's not going to be the differentiator. Uh, marketing will be a little bit. I believe the key is going to be your ability to teach your employees how to be advocates for their borrowers. Now, when I say advocate, what do I mean by that? I mean, people who truly know how to educate a borrower properly, walk them through a mortgage uh, in a high-integrity, high-relationship standpoint to help them understand the right way to get a mortgage, to help them to really be more relational, more focused on helping their borrowers get a loan that makes sense. Because there's so much information out there today, Dave. There's so much competition out there that, you know, we think technology is the answer to everything. And technology is critically important. But at the end of the day, we still see study after study after study that tells us that consumers want somebody to confirm their decision on a complex mortgage transaction. And although there's more information out there than ever, consumers are more confused than they've ever been. So I think the separator for 
companies will be, how much they teach their people to educate their customers well, work with them well, and provide that great customer experience that they've never had before. I think if you put customer experience before everything else, you're going to win in the competitive market we're walking into because our pricing and products are all going to be the same. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's talk a little bit about how lenders do overcome these a little bit. Get into more detail. Some of the tease us a little bit of what you cover in the others first training system and how to overcome. So let me let me give you the first thing. I teach a very simple concept called rate doesn't matter. Okay, and and here's why I teach that because what I find is most commonplace in the mortgage business is most loan officers talk about all the same exact thing. They get on the phone. The bar asks the loan officer, what's the rate and what's the payment going to be? And they talk rate and payment. It's, it's a price and product approach. That's very commonplace. What we teach is the opposite approach. You don't go and talk in price and product. In fact, if you open the call with price and product, you're going to lose way more than you're going to win. Because at the end of the day, there's only one lowest rate lender in the entire world. I always say to loan officers, you know, when the bar says, what's your, you know, I'm looking for the lowest rate, the question you should ask them is, do you mean the lowest rate in the world? Because there's only one. And here's the fact of the matter. There's thousands of lenders out there. Well, it's obviously not the lowest rate people are looking for. It's just what they ask for. So what the loan officers need to learn how to do is respond with more of a value-oriented presentation. So in other words, talk to the bar about how you're going to help them, what kind of benefits you're going to create for them, how you're going to create a loan that's different from other companies, how you're going to provide service in ways nobody else does. Focus on value. Don't focus on price and product. That's the first way you separate yourself. And then second, build relationship way beyond your competition. We have lost the art of relationship in the mortgage business today. It's become a very order-taking mentality. I believe in, I've taught something for 21 years, David, called the triangle for success. And the triangle for success is simply three components, all founded on integrity. And that is value, relationship, and then finally, differentiation. Differentiate yourself with your advice. That's that advocacy approach that I talked about. I like that a lot. Joe? Yeah, I love that differentiation. Now, So how how do you help lenders differentiate themselves? Well, there's a couple of ways that we do that. And the first one I alluded to a little bit earlier is when we walk in, I do an assessment of my clients' companies by sitting down with their management team and understanding, first off, what is the what is the current situation of the lender? What is their long-term goals and objectives and vision and mission? And if they don't have one, we help them establish one of those right away. And then I spend time really digging into their sales teams and their operations teams, taking a look at, okay, how is it going? How does, how does the actual results match up to what we're trying to accomplish at a senior level standpoint? And then how do we make sure that we change that culture in a way where it's others first, it's sales-centered, it's customer-centric, and we're not building an organization based around price and product and, and, and a market that can change by the minute and all of a sudden our success is based on the market, but instead we build a company that is designed to be successful no matter what the market does. So if rates go up, we're still successful. If rates go down, we're still successful because we're focusing on things that go beyond rate, and, and that's focusing back to that triangle we talked about. Making sure you've got a sales force that is top-notch, making sure your operations is specialized and efficient, making sure you've got a management team who is managing. And here's the key to excellent leadership. It's daily management. The biggest mistake that I see managers make in this business is we, we look at monthly numbers. We focus on monthly numbers. But the fact of the matter is the key to a successful month is having 21 good days. If you can manage daily, if you can manage at a lead level versus a loan level, to make sure you convert your leads into loans, if you can manage your people on a daily basis to hit the goals they need each day so they get their month-end numbers, and you can get your management team to walk the floor consistently, influence and impact their people on a daily basis, motivate and encourage constantly, and give great direction on how to establish right goals, how to establish right standards, and how to achieve those you win big all the time. I've literally worked with over 400 companies in 21 years. We've never had a client in 21 years whose numbers have not gone up. We have a perfect record in 21 years of doing this, and it's because we change culture. We change the philosophy of the company. We work on making sure we get the right people in there, identify the strengths and weaknesses, we get the most out of it, and then position the company for success no matter what the market does. That's good. Back to you, Dave. 
And I'm looking at the time. Boy, the time does go fast here. What are a few keys to leadership principles that you commonly share with your clients? We want to get that touched on before we have to exit here. So, number one, if you haven't done so already, develop a vision and mission statement. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to have a, a vision statement of where your company's going, so your employees all know it, and then a mission statement on how you're going to get there. Number two, this is key: build a high energy environment. I, I, I literally, Dave, I, I've walked into organization after organization. I've done this many times. And without ever looking at a report, without knowing any of the numbers, I can grab the management team and I can walk them around the sales floor and show them who their top producers are, who their mid-producers are, and who they need to fire right now. And, and, and tell them how they're doing as an organization just based on the energy level on their sales floor and the productivity level on their operations floor. Because here's the fact of the matter. If you don't have a high-energy environment, if you don't have people that are motivated and working well and working together as a team, you're not going to get to great results. So environment is a key piece to what you do. And then just manage daily. Get your goals broken down to daily, hourly increments. Let your people know exactly what they need to do to get to the month of results you want to get to, and then manage them day by day, hour by hour to that process. When you combine those simple things, and obviously there's hundreds of things we work with clients on to get that done, but to simplify it, that's the simplicity of the process. And then just encourage, 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 because people will always do better in an environment where they're being encouraged than one where they're being discouraged or being threatened. It's all about positive reinforcement management. Give us a couple quick tips here on industry leaders. Uh, what do you, what do you, when you see an industry leader, they, what, what are the behavioral or the, the, what, what's the What's the right word here? I'm looking for a word here. Yeah. What are the characteristics? Well, it's a couple things. Number one, I will I will say this to be very true, that every organization reflects its leadership. That's important for me to open that statement true. with. Yeah. So when I see top leaders and top organizations, those leaders, number one, they're absolutely founded in integrity. That's number one. Their morals and ethics are well above board. They do things right. Number two, they're very visionary in their approach to the business. They're, they're never just thinking about what the market's doing today. They're always looking two, three, four years down the road, and they're thinking ahead of where does my technology need to be, where does my sales force need to be, what do I want to grow to, and how am I going to get there, and what does my product mix be, need to be between purchase and refi? Because we know when the rates go up, we're going to see a big shift to purchase. You've got to be prepared for those shifts. There's going to be a big shift to home equity. Are you going to be part of that game? There's going to be more interest only in those kind of things we're seeing today and more products are we going to mix into those so you have high ethics high vision and high motivation top leaders are not only motivational but they're great communicators they they communicate daily weekly and monthly with their organization with their employees so people understand what's expected of them how they're doing in comparison to those results and they establish good benchmarks and good accountability to make sure those people get it done. Some great tips. A lot of people are emailing me and texting me a lot of questions. I wish we had time to get it through all of this. And for those listeners that have sent me messages, thank you so much for those. Um, The best thing for you to do is pick up the phone and get to know Dale. Go to the website. So a lot of people are saying, okay, don't have time, run out of time. How do we get a hold of Dale? What is the best way for people to connect with you? Well, they can go to my website at dalevermillion.com. That's an easy one. Or they can email me at dale at dalevermillion.com. Either one of those will work, and I would be glad to, to get back to them to answer their questions, uh, to do whatever we can do. And, and if it's not today, because I'm, I'm traveling a lot speaking just about every day of the, of the year, um, but I'm, I'm always going to make time for clients so, and, and, and for those questions. So we'll make sure we take care of them and, and, uh, and get back to them quickly on those. And would love to talk with you know, some of your listeners about uh, you know, their perspective on what they heard today and how we can help them. That's good. Well, one of the things I look for in leadership is those that give back. I also want to encourage you all to go check out the Mortgage Professionals Providing Hope, mpph.org as well. It's really a key uh, litmus test for me. What do you do to give back to to your community, to this world? And it's because it's not all about just making money. Although, I'll tell you, Dale Verbillion and his team can absolutely help you make money, whether it's individually or as a group. Dale, thanks so much for being here with us today. I hope a lot of people will take advantage of this information, connect with you, and uh, 
avail themselves of your many, your absolutely proven techniques that will make a difference in their business, and uh, personally and professionally. Appreciate it, man. David, I appreciate you having me, and, and you're such a dear friend. I appreciate the, the opportunity. I hope it was great for the listeners, and God bless you, my friend. Uh, you, you're a yeah, dear friend. I look forward to seeing you soon. Looking forward to having you all back next week, and thank you again, Dale. We'll be having uh, Jim Jump of ArchMI. Very interesting content. They say, well, mortgage interest, interest, mortgage insurance is kind of boring. And let me tell you, not so much so. If you listen to what we're going to be talking about next week, be sure to come back. Good to have you with us. Special thank you out to Joe Farr for joining in and helping me through this podcast. And uh, safe travels to Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor, and thanks, Al, for all that you do. Look forward to having you all back here next week, everybody. Have a great week. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 